order in your kingdom i'm ryan <laughs> shealy returning from the outside uh coming to upend the social order that has been uh reestablished in in my absence um great to be back on the show uh hosting with uh with matt rather who has been holding it down uh amidst our increasingly hectic uh professional and academic schedules it's uh, uh yeah it's it's been a clusterfuck it has it has but here now we bring the clusterfuck to you our listeners uh to to subject gossip girl uh and glee to a level of social sociological and cultural scrutiny that they definitely deserve uh this week we're going to be focusing uh entirely on on gossip girl we're going to be catching up on the last three episodes and And i suggested in the pre-show that this might become the format for us I think so. I think this works uh, because, in it, you know, th- there were a few times last season in which Gossip Girl and Glee happened to sync up, right? And there was a, a interesting thematic um, sort of harmony uh, between between the two shows in a given week. But more often than not, that's 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 becoming not not the case. Um, and so I think that between that and the fact that. Um, you know, our schedules are are what they are. I think partitioning uh, alter, alternating weeks between Gossip Girl and Glee weeks gives us a bit more flexibility of of pulling in Jordan. Hopefully, at some point, pulling in um, uh, you know special guest hosts um, and 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 have a you know uh, every other week a uh, in depth discussion of two to three episodes of, of Gossip Girl and Glee, respectively. Right. Um, and I think that that, um, you know, the, because our passion here is, is, to, is to churn out uh, high-quality product for you, our listeners. Um, I mean, as much as... I was going to say squeeze out, but yeah, that works too. Churn is churn, good. Churn, churn. Um, as, as, as much as our all of our actions uh, actually uh, pretty much uh, indicate the opposite of that intention, uh, we, we do care and we, we appreciate the the emails that we see receive from listeners especially cat right cat is our our watchdog cat cat is our conscious ha- conscience hanging over us of you know if there's about 10 days elapsed between <laughs> the uh, episodes going up we oh can- oh yeah. you know what she is what what is what is she she's a uh, she's a graduate student employee she's like our teaching fellow it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting you say that because that's exactly how um, things get get done with respect to my day job. Is I I, I, I have to employ people uh, to actually make me do things um, and or make me, make me do things in a specific sequence, right? Because because the the, the just the open field of of endless tasks. Um, uh, can can just lead to inaction, and so Cat helps us um, set our agenda, and 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 our so co- yeah, we, our cognitive are, agenda, our cognitive agenda. So we are we are here today, um, largely thanks to Cat, many thanks to Cat uh, for for bringing us here. And if you can want I, to, I, oh sorry, you no you no no, I'm going to I'm going you you cannot, um, <laughs> whatever it is, you cannot. 
um, because because this is not just a two man show. This is not just a three man show. This is this is a, a, a community that we're building. Um, and so if you want to like cat chime in, um, there's a variety of of ways for you to do so. Um, almost you can, too many. Is, there's almost too many. Uh, you can uh, email us at TFT Podcast. Uh, at overthinkingit.com. You can uh, get us on the Twitters. Um, that's twitter.com slash TFT podcast or just at TFT podcast. Uh, you can hit, hit us by the phone or the text message. Uh, that's uh, 20 fat jog. Oh, uh, is 20 fat jog or 20 fat jog? Oh, one. Oh, one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 20 fat jog. Oh, one. That's two Oh three, two eight, five, six, four, zero, one. And join the, uh, join the, uh, conversations on the show no- notes on overthinking Um, and we always, we, you know, we appreciate, uh, all of our listener feedback, even, even as the episodes become more sparse. Um, so huh. let's, let's jump into it, right? Let's uh, jump let's, into it. Oh, That's, you know, right, so, you no, know, I wanted to say something. Do, do you know that I am an academic student employee? Are you? Yes. And, and as such, I'm a member of the United Auto Workers. Oh, that's that's really that's really wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm 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 going to represent Cat in her uh, contract negotiations with you. Uh, that's, that, yeah, that's good because I'm 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 the man. Um, just in case in case there's any doubt, I am the man. Um, so so fuck me because I'm the man. Um, that, actually, that's a, we should make that T-shirt. Fuck me, I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's good. Uh, how's how's the struggle? <laughs> um, it's actually it's it's not. Uh, are, are, you, are you fighting your casualization? <laughs> no, we're we're actually we're all for casualization as long as we get like uh, our health insurance. So know? that's interesting because uh, this. I, I mean, I think there'd be an interesting study out there of the politics of graduate student organization, right? This is a, you know, the organization, the unionization of um, graduate students and of, of non-tenure track, non-ladder academic labor is an interesting thing that's been going on in academia um, for about 20 years, I'd say. If you're not familiar with it, there are essentially kind of three classes of people who teach at uh, and this is just referring to teaching and not to sort of research or to some of the other responsibilities that you know like discovering things and making the world better that uh, you know uh, universities have. Um, there's uh, tenure track faculty and there's um, there's uh, non ladder faculty like uh, oh what I was I was actually talking with a department I was thinking of of uh, teaching outside my department uh, at my school and um, they so you think of like adjunct arrangements or well or yeah exactly visiting, so, visiting assistant professor visiting lecturer well adjunct yeah exactly it would be sort of adjunct lecturer or something like that uh, or lecturer I guess lecturer is non ladder by definition and they were talking about having created a, a lecturer position for one course this year and that person is essentially that uh, and it could have i was just too late to get my application and i could have taught that class but they actually hired a you know a phd uh but non-tenure track person to do it um uh because i was too late and i was thinking that person is essentially an independent contractor you know what i mean and and this person you know who invested a great deal of time and money in a phd is now like probably teaching four of these classes at uh different universities you know like 150 well right they're they're essentially they're essentially paid a piece rate um that there's not a generally i mean it's really interesting because you know the salary for a 
a ladder faculty, a tenure track faculty or tenured faculty is a is it's you you know you're paying for you know teaching is just one of the services that is being provided right there's a bundle of services including you know most notably teaching research and then you know administrative service to the university um serving on committees um advising students also um, i mean also so. publication probably like in and publication yeah i think research and publication oh, sure. I, I i i put together right and and those are it's at, at different universities there are different mixes of those but the compensation package reflects uh you know that entire bundle of of services right and whereas being, these and, non-ladders and being part of the brand right being part of the brand yeah kind of upholding the brand name and and they are increasingly brands whereas the non-ladder faculty only teach and as you say they're they're paid a piece rate and then there are the graduate students like me who are you know sort of indentured uh, servants. Um, th- it's an apprenticeship, Matthew. Um, <laughs> you should, you should be, you should be, you should be grateful. You should be grateful to sit at the feet of of such masters and to learn the craft of of, of education of of. And a- of- an apprenticeship ideas in calling, the, in the it, calling it a, an apprenticeship, Ryan, presupposes that there's a that there is a job waiting at the end of it. <laughs> you know, that there is yeah, some that's... kind of path or track through which you know you can actually become employed. Uh, that's right. It's, it's like the uh, the Talking Head song, "The Road to Nowhere." Um, oh, I mean, that's that's like the question. I mean, even like with ladder faculty, that, that presumes that there's something that you're climbing towards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what they don't tell you, it's like one of those ladders that like uh, acrobats balance on, right? It's just like, like, <laughs> the, the, that's the actual kind of ladder that they're talking and about. All, and they- and all you have to look forward to is fending off the attacks of other people trying to climb up the ladder and supplant <laughs> right, you. Right, that's what that's what academia is. Is that you're you're actually basically ladder walking it's like it's like um an american gladiator style game where you're you're basically in an arena um uh, climbing balancing ladders while you're trying to push all these other people off of those ladders um, and the one and, the, the one thing we get is that they pay our tuition for the time that we're teaching and a small sub poverty wage uh you know, sub sub poverty line uh, stipend, and now they're trying to take away uh, take away that. So I may be involved. So, in so, a, so, so I may be involved, been... Ryan. I may be involved in a work stoppage before the end of the year. Um, this is and just as a you know, there's a few ways to link this back to Gossip Girl. I, I think maybe I was, is, I was is, waiting is, for that. Is, is Vanessa's mother organizing you uh, now that she's done <laughs> yeah, the cheesemakers in Vermont? Is uh, because I asked. So you know, Matt mentioned that he is now a member of a, of a union, and this is this is something that's been going on for the last twenty years. Is the organization of these non non ladder uh, teaching teaching labor um, and and to my understanding this movement has a lot of its roots or there's a like a strong focus of, of that at our alma, alma mater um, Yale University um, in part it, it's very interesting right the politics of this as, as I alluded before are very interesting um, at least you know the social and political history of this at Yale is that Yale you know is is in New Haven Connecticut which um, Throughout the early part of the 20th century, was an industrial town um, and had a large union organization uh, associated with those industries. Um, at the time in which, uh, as those industries dried up, moved to other places, um, and, and sort of you know followed this um, the type of uh, urban urban burnout that uh, that's described in songs like Billy Joel's Allentown um, huh. that, uh, that, nice. that, that that apparatus you know the, the major employer in town became Yale right Yale and Yale New Haven Hospital like respectively um, and so this apparatus transferred over first to the um, 
the 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 clerical and um, custodial uh, workers at Yale, and so the local thirty four and thirty five um, are major union uh, organizations linked into. Um, Forget which uh, parent union they are. I think they're AFL CIO. Um, and and but part of what they've well, done. The umbrella. I mean, that's the umbrella organization for unions. But it. I don't know. It could be like Service Employees International, or it could. Yeah, be- I, I forget. So there. And you know, we I, I, throughout our time at Yale, there were several strikes, um, or at least there's one during my time. I don't know if there were multiple during your time in New Haven, but um, but I think what's interesting is part of this, at some point, and part of coalition building and you know building kind of collective bargaining power, and the cynical view is part of the origins of graduate student unionization come from the interests that the workers of the of the uh, the clerical and custodial the organizers of the clerical and custodial uh, unions have an, uh, had an interest in organizing graduate students as well um, having another point of pressure that could be put um, on the faculty so that if there's a strike sure. it's not it's not just that the dining halls are closed and the students get their hundred dollar check. You know, for yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's that you can actually bring instruction at the school to yes. a halt, right? Right, and 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 uh, yeah, exactly, and, and like and things that you know that it's just impractical, uh, that it's not economical to have very expensive latter faculty do like you know grading freshman papers and things right, like right. this. Right, but I think what's interesting is that, and and I, I'm I'm interested. So one of the the platform points um, for for GSO, the Graduate Employees and Students Organization, the the Union of Graduate Students at Yale, was actually ending or rolling back the casualization of. Um, of academic labor, so they're actually saying hire more ladder, fa- create more ladder faculty positions, um, tons more. Right, because um, their package, I mean, their package of um, of demands. I don't know. I mean, they didn't have a ton of leverage, so calling them demands is uh, is maybe a little comical. But ha- uh, it had to do with uh, with wages and working conditions, but also had to do with um, combating some of the trends in the academic job market. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, which which are really incidental to your employment by the school uh, as a as a teaching labor, you know, it, which is one of the reasons I think it wasn't a good argument. It was kind of diluted by, well, we want our lives to be better in all respects rather than, I mean, rather than focusing on those which were actually germane to your employment, like wages, working condition, health insurance, benefits, well, you know. It, it's tricky, right? And, and it, because it was, I mean, there is a, there was a long-term kind of personal or group interest there that is, we want jobs to get, right? When we finish, we want there to to be jobs, um, actual job securities, uh, job security. But then that was also couched as a social, like this is better for uh, this, this kind of, there's a confusion between what was a, you know, the interest of the union members narrowly defined and, and the interest of, you know, society or of, of, of academia, uh, more kind of broadly construed. I love how uh, we have not even gotten to Gossip Girl yet. I, that's okay, um, <laughs> and so no. But I think here's 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 where here's where it puts in right. Yeah. So a major plot point over these last three episodes involves the introduction of a new character um, named Colin Forrester, right. who is who is portrayed as um, as 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 the professor, as the uh, the professor teaching the psychology of business course uh, after the prior professor um resigned due to being a part of uh of chuck and blair's war being appalled uh, this, by being appalled by 
That's right. Be, being appalled by it, saying I have better things to do um, than than deal with you, you children, um, which I've never said. That's a phrase I have never uttered, um, <laughs> um, or thought, or 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 felt in the core of my being. Um, and 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 so this this new character is um, the gentleman who has uh, who happens to live in Serena's building. They, they've been they, uh, they've been flirting with, and uh, they've been flirting. Um, and and kind of making she's been she's been definitely waving her cleavage around, and then learns that he is her professor now. Um, and I think in light of what we just discussed, right? So so much of the the plot line professor is, is probably professor is probably a little glorified, right? He's probably exactly. he's probably instructor Forrester. Well, he's 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 he would be something like um, I mean, if he really is a billionaire, if he's a a, a hot shot billionaire, um, you know, finance guy. He would be something like, um, like a, he would probably be a named professor of practice, right? He'd be like the Bartholomew Bass professor of um, of of the practice of finance, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, of of making money and 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 um, sure, and, that's, and, I mean, and, and, and inappropriate sexual relationships. Know, right. like, <laughs> but there's, I mean, it's it's interesting, I think, to see how. In, in the world of Gossip Girl, which commodifies everything, which kind of conscripts the whole world, including kind of the long-standing institutions from which it draws legitimacy, like Columbia University, um, the uh, it, it conscripts those into being sort of uh, pieces on the board of like Chuck and Blair's games or something like that, as being kind of incidental to the to the um, interpersonal machinations of the characters. That. Oh, oh, that's right. Well, and even like you know, for um, you know, even even with respect to Serena and her r- relationship with Colin, you know, it's not like oh, like I am here to get a, a you know an education, um, and it, it's like what a weird coincidence that my um, you know my professor was this guy that I was seeing. It's like you know that that. Here's this guy who is of my social class and who is a a suitable mate for me, and um, we need to like deal with this pesky Columbia that has this stupid rule that somehow we shouldn't date, even though we are, um, you know, I am of the marrying age. Um, and you know, the, 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 this is this is this is you know, this relationship is is customary, and so that that there's this charade that uh, somehow there is a a the, the an actual relationship that is set up. by by the the rules of the institution, right? That there is a there are roles of professor and student, where where rea- reality the the dominant r- relation is this, you know, this network of uh, uh, these these mutual networks in which they reside, and within those the uh, that community they are of. They, they are their their union is perfectly legit. Yeah, they're they're sort of equally they're sort of equally matched, and because the um, because it's a uh, subordinate order, the order of kind of academic prestige and and those rules and and uh, the you know the business of the university, um, the uh, the professorship can be sort of picked up or put down at will, uh, the way you would <laughs> a, a a Prada handbag or something like that. Well, I mean, 
amazing thing, right? It's just like, yeah, the the idea. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to resign. This is, you know, several episodes later. The the thing that's coming up is like whether he will just resign in in the middle of the semester. Um, and you know, and the and even the prior the predecessor resigned. I mean, if this were going on, like there would be some major issues at Columbia University, right? Like there there would be some there would be some shit going down if yep. like there are two. You know, this would be the you know the board of trustees um, or or whatever it is exactly that Columbia has would be getting called in, right? And that this would be you know this would be front time front page New York Times review. Um, this is like even goes beyond the dean of Columbia College, the dean of the undergraduate sure. students, um, who is once again this kind of referee is who is who is basically a, a, is nothing more than a the headmistress once again, right? She is just yeah. the he, the headmistress of this finishing school, um, is how is how she is is treated, which is um, which is which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, even um, Dean Broadhead, who is who is the dean of um, the academic dean during our time as undergraduate at Yale and who was like very you know out there and a very public um figure had a very you know very lofty uh role like there were there were people who were you know the our our keepers our handlers um but that was not his role right uh that you know that um and so it's interesting that the the dean in this is placed is on one hand being reduced to kind of a almost like an and a a resident advisor or something sure. like that, you know, sure, chaperone. Sure. Um, chaperone, and, yeah, is a good word. And yet, also like a the president of the institution, right? Like she's both the highest authority and menial and and help essentially at yep. the same time, right? So that there's there's both like there's this compression to which it is is essentially meaningless, right? That and, and that that the I think it's an interesting symbol of of how little the the formal organization of um, of the universities of the bureaucracy matters. It matters very little. It's right? also, I mean, uh, in you know, in the writer's defense, I'll say it's hard to dramatize a bureaucracy, but it is. It, yeah, well, it is, I can't even imagine a television program that could um, that could that could dramatize. Um, a, a a bureaucracy or multiple arm multiple bureaucracies multiple agencies um, operating uh, and 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 functioning and dysfunctioning um, in an urban environment such as Baltimore um, I couldn't even imagine that being dramatized or being interesting or worth talking about <laughs> all in I the know least. all I know is that Omar would die I know that's I think that's what it would take is there would have to be someone named Omar and he would have to die <laughs> or there would have to be or there would ha- or you know if if you're going private sector there would have to be someone named Dom Draper and he'd have to marry his secretary right uh, exactly um, but it's yeah. well yeah but that's you see the wire is a brilliant tv show you know and it's it was probably hard to make and hard to make it that good for for that long it also conveniently you think, you think gossip girl is easy to make uh, <laughs> it's also like, convenient it, it, enough that kind of subtleness does not come easy um you know that that gossip girl is hard to make in different ways right that gossip girl is the the dialogue and set design and and um and costuming and music are where the hard work comes in gossip girl, sure. right? And we've talked about this: the micro versus the macro. Yes, um, they're hard to make in different ways. Uh, the um, oh no, let's drop it. Let's move on to something else. Well, let me let me just well, let me let me let me let me come back to this. Um, and and we can kind of uh, I mean this you know one of our larger themes is about. 
I, I think that this is this is fitting, right? In prior episodes, we've talked a little bit, you know, that the, the, the social order depicted in Gossip Girl um, has this relationship with many formal organizations, right? With uh, there's been in several cases, the relationship with the police is is in this way as well, sure. right? That, that they either just ignore the police, they supersede the police, or if they call the police, they call the police colonel whom their parents know or with whom they have a relationship. Um, and I mean, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've never quite thought of this, but it, 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 it takes the show in a almost, um, an almost Marxist I mean, it's it's not purely Marxist, but there is a there's something about that that resonates with Marxist thought, in that you know, in contrast with Weber, you know, another great sort of sociologist of modernity, right? Weber, you know, would say that that as we move to our rational legal order to to modernity, these formal organizations, these bureaucracies, whether it is the state and the police uh, or the university um, or the or the firm, that they they really shape our loyalties, they shape our behavior, um, and and that these these uh, you know traditional um, patriarchal forms of authority you know w- wane and the, and those ties ties break down a bit um, whereas and, and you know whereas in um, I mean Marx also you know points to social change but you know emphasizes class right and then there's debates in in you know in Marx's theory about the role of the state <clears throat> and how how do we interpret the state and is is the state just purely epiphenomenal, um, and, and we just disregard um, formal organization and, and institution altogether? Or do we kind of understand the ways in which these formal structures are co-opted by and assumed by, um, by class interests, right? And so I think one of the things that Gossip Girl is doing well is, you know, in part, like, yes, that would be, like, you know, it's hard to write bureaucracy as you say or but i don't think that that's the issue right in some ways no is it's that, not it's it's, right, it's convenient it, for the larger themes of gossip girl, yeah right it's that it's that if it were a a you know if gossip girl in, a, in other words were, uh, were a Weberian show and then opted to depict the bureaucracy in this way it wouldn't work it would fall apart but it's that that um their aims and and what they're good at fit well reinforcing relationship between you know their comparative advantage in terms of uh, artistically um, and the the world in which they're creating in which that you know in fact these formal organizations these bureaucracies are flat because the actual organizational forms that matter are these um, are, are these social networks right are these um, are these uh, are, are these elite networks? And, or and or the, to put and, it to put it another way, the university, conveniently enough, masks its means of production. I'll unpack that briefly. <laughs> Um, the idea, well, the, it's a reference to Marx, uh, Marx's, you know, assertion that the commodity masks its its uh, means of production. Mm-hmm. That is to mm-hmm. say, you can't. Um, uh, you can't kind of see the suffering and the exploitation that went into your iPod, you know, and that that the um, uh, you know that the, that there's something inherent in the in its uh, its kind of iPod ness that that is a denial of uh, what went into making it. Right. So and so it's a, there's this process of alienation from from the labor. I mean, so it's like on one hand, as consumers, 
we are alienated from right. the labor. And the labors that laborers themselves are uh, alienated from and the. And we are, yeah, like Marx was concerned with the latter form of alienation, yeah. the, the kind of surplus value. Uh, theory of surplus value and the alienation of the worker from uh, their labor and from the product of their labor. But you're really drinking your uh, unionization Kool-Aid, huh? <laughs> but I, you know, being a being a resident of the first world, I'm actually also concerned with the second form. The, yes. The, the alienation of um, all of us from the, uh, you know, from the the means by which our world is brought into being. Oh, and I think that this is interesting that, you know, I, without even knowing it, the first half of our conversation is is amazingly pertinent, um, almost almost as if we planned it. Um, we didn't, because, to be sure, but no, no, as uh, if. Yeah, well, no, I think the fact, in this case, the fact that we didn't plan it just sort of served to highlight our brilliance. Um, uh, but that... That what's very interesting here is, you know, at, at various points on this show, we, uh, on, on this podcast, we've talked about um, the, the role of, of education as a commodity, right? Yes. The commodification of, of education. And so this kind of – I think that this uh, – in, in some sense, this is a really interesting point, you know, that um, even in, in, in the academy – in which this the form of production itself is actually very interpersonal, right? Uh, you interact with your TAs and your professors and your lecturers, um, and and it's it's uh, academic the, student employees, Ryan, and, and and academic, yes, sorry, and your academic is that is that is that what you were called? You're actually called an academic student employee. It's terrible, isn't it? Stewardess, you're a stewardess. <laughs> 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 stewardess, <laughs> um, uh, stewardess of the mind, uh, but but that that this um, that right there's a certain amount of of dehumanization or de like that that it, it's that you are a it's reduced to a service provision uh, relationship right. as opposed to a a chain of um, of of apprenticeship or or. Teacher student relationships, or right? as, you know, uh, yeah, teacher student relationships, or as a you know, or as a seeker after knowledge, or a um, you know, a, a person who is trying to master a body, a, you know, a body of knowledge uh, hmm. for its um, uh, for its intrinsic benefits, right? And 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 that has become delinked from the the vision of academia, both at you know the level of professors. Uh, graduate students and undergraduate students as a community pursuing something in 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 concert, right? This, that this has oh right, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, and this has to do with say- with economic and political developments in the sort of what shall we say the kind of post World War II era, but really accelerated in the post Vietnam era. Um, all this, you know, it's a complex phenomenon that that is kind of multi determined. Uh, how this has come to be, right? Um, but from the so, point of view, from the point of view of the characters in, in Gossip Girl, there's, uh, you know, there's um, education as a commodity. That is, it's a kind of stamp on your passport uh, that you, that you have to have. Um, Though it's not a particularly big deal if you don't, as we see from Chuck, and Chuck Chuck is able to kind of uh, uh, wade in the waters of academia, or else it's a, it's a kind of means of, and this is the Dan Vanessa model of education. It's a means of uh, 
kind of self-realization, you know? Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. Where it's where the important thing in education is to kind of fully individuate and kind of become become yourself. They're to both write, to write to write that play, right? And, and it's, that's also about the and you know it's very it, for them that's very close also to the the role of art in artistic production in the world of gossip girl, right? It's very very linked there, um, and it's very different from the way you know. Well, as you are a trade student in in the arts, it's very it's very different, right? That you are you're being trained in a craft, um, in in a specific uh, set of of skills, and for them, college is about this, this experience of finding themselves, right? It's just one big Bildungsroman. We actually, um, I mean, we talked about this actually on the Overthinking It podcast, which I, I'm sure you don't have time to listen to every episode, but we talked about. You see, it's funny being in trade school. My education is a lot. I, you know, it, in the course of being in, in trade school and acting, I do uh, text analysis. I do literary history. I mean, dramatic literary history. I do physical conditioning and dance and, you know, fencing and fighting and uh, things like this. And this is much closer to the kind of uh, hundreds of years old ideal education um, of of mind and body <clears throat> that, you know, that was kind of the, the liberal ideal. Yeah, and liberal meaning free man. You know, this liberal yeah. arts are the the arts that you get to do as a free person and not as a slave uh, hmm. in the in the Roman Empire, right? And that this sort of this sort of whole person, mind, body, spirit education, um, uh, I, I get in trade school, or at least that's the ideal uh, in trade school, in professional school. Whereas it's not at all addressed, uh, really, at any point in the educational system up to, you know. Um, undergraduate education it's it's just it just isn't there and we're Mm -hmm. all we're kind of in these we're sort of in these factories we're kind of warehoused in these these factories now well it's interesting because like in you know while when you are in high school you know trade school or vocational school is where the stupid people go right that 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 to go to vocational school um and, and you know to do the even the of of a, of a public four year high school that have a vocational component to them, um, and who, who, that have a trade learning component to them, is to be kind of opting out, right? Or is yeah. to be uh, that's the lower track, right? Um, that's very that's fascinating. But the um, the um, I mean, here I think we can distinguish Jenny. I think yes. from almost anyone else on Gossip Girl because she actually makes something. And yes, it's a luxury good. She, you know, she aspires to make high fashion, but she actually makes something. Yes. And she doesn't traffic in the making of things by other people like Bart Bass did, like Chuck does, uh, like we, we assume Lily does because Lily's business now seems to be managing wealth, you know, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. Rufus does both, you know, Rufus makes a, a, a kind of, yeah, Rufus is a broker, right? Rufus is an R- art Rufus broker. is a broker professionally, and he was a, um, a what a musician before that, you know. So I, I, you know, I guess he made something, but he made something only in the most ephemeral sense. Uh, and uh, what are what are Dan and Vanessa doing? They're writing plays. You know what I mean? It's it's the most. It's kind of the most archaic and uh, uh, I don't know um, economically. 
uh, irrelevant, <laughs> you know, of all the yeah. performing yeah. arts, uh, yeah, theater, uh, especially like um, very sincere theater written by people <laughs> in their twenties. Yes, you know, no one, no one gives a crap about it. And and in this sense, Jenny is, um, uh, you know, uh, is sui generis in. Uh, in the Gossip Girl universe, and she's kind of had an interesting arc over the last couple episodes, hasn't she? Yeah, absolutely. I think we should we can plug her in here into this study of education, right? The way in which Jenny returned was this uh, this interview with with Tim Gunn, right? Um, to to get into into Parsons, which is great because um, you know. I mean, the pop cultural role of, of Tim Gunn is um, on Project Runway, right, as this kind of on-air mentor. Um, but I think more generally, right, you know, before – part of how he got top, tapped for that position and became someone who could have a cameo on Gossip Girl, um, he was on the, the faculty at Parsons um, at, at the New School for Design. Um, I once and- saw him walking through the garment district. He was so well put together. Yeah, he's amazing, right? Uh, he, I mean, he was he was he was really good. I mean, we didn't talk too much about his cameo, but it was one of the better uh, and more substantive and appropriate celebrity cameos uh, in in uh, gospel. You didn't you didn't like Rachel Zoe getting uh, covered with chocolate fun too. I mean, I think I think uh, I feel like like Rachel Zoe was there just so like that she could also be with uh, Joe Z and they could say Z Zoe and like you know like everyone who reads fashion blogs could be like ha 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 this show speaks to me um, <laughs> I love fashion um, like uh, but okay what, so like this Tim Gunn thing I think is worth unpacking a little sure. bit, right because it's um. It's uh, Chuck's intervention that lands Jenny the interview, right? right. So that it's, it's the operation of, uh, of social power that mm-hmm. gets her uh, the opportunity to display her actual talent at making actual yes. things. Yes. And yes. it's Blair's interference yes. in yes. the actual things, that is to say vandalizing her dresses, that leads to the social problem of humiliation and embarrassment and kind of insult to Tim Gunn and his time and, and all this kind of thing. Which which later has to be rectified. So there's a there's a complicated interplay of kind of soft power and yes. actual real goods. Uh, well, it is, yeah, that's right. And, well, and it's also that you know again we were talking about procedure. Jenny believes that she is um, just complying with the procedure of you know this, Tim Gunn is I guess. I don't know if he's back on the faculty or is just a kind of freelance interviewer for for Parsons. Yeah. Um, but you know that that she believes she's going through this procedure, right? Uh, as you know, as as a as a petty bourgeois like her would believe, right? Um, yep. And and is is showing off her 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 work is is stressed out about it is managing her portfolio like you know be, has the audacity to believe that this matters um and that her work is is producing this right um and as you say that um in some ways the the blair and chuck's respective intervention in this um very much link this to what we were discussing with with respect to um to to columbia as well um and 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 so the the fact that the security is so permeable that uh you know blair and her minions can can sneak in and spray paint whore on the dresses right um, <laughs> which is a little little on the nose but like uh it was, it was interesting anyhow um yeah so so anyway, i think so that, it, i mean over the course of these three episodes you know we see jenny 
Uh, I, we see Jenny kind of on a journey. Jenny, a Jenny journey. A Jenny journey. Um, she is. Uh, she has. She has gone wild. Um, just and, a, and, just and, a small town girl. You know, that's right. Living. Uh, well, I think I think what she's I mean and there's a, in the episode in which um she returns right which is the first episode of this arc right. uh which we we're, we're discussing right, there's this great um you know there's a there's an interesting sequence of events of Blair becomes um aware of of her return almost unconsciously right Blair's having nightmares um and yeah, and, from, and the nightmare uh, from wait until dark Right from way until dark, um, and 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 the person stalking her and attempting to take her down is Jenny, right? Uh, and 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 I think that this kind of anxiety reflected in this nightmare is is you know so she goes to the the uh, Vanderwoodson Bass Humphrey rev- residence um, and finds Jenny there, and Jenny says, you know, don't worry, Blair, I'm not here to upset your social order, right? Um, and and even though that is not the intent, that is exactly what she is there to do, right? That that uh, in some ways, and I think Chuck has knowingly, you know, set into to motion a sequence of events, um, you know, in which th- these are th- these are consequent these are events that can only serve to massively shake up the structure of alliances, and and the the in some sense could put tension on the the constitutive order. Uh, of 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 the 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 small subsect section of this society in which they live, right? That you know uh, this order in which um, Jenny, Dan, and um, and Vanessa are freely entering and exiting and 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 becoming assimilated into uh, this world in which a, a new character like Juliet is gradually assimilated into, both through relationships with Nate uh, and through friendship and trust with with serena um and and so in some sense you know that this is you know war you know there there's there's connections between war and revolution between war and regime change um you know both uh as you know the winner remakes the society or that uh international war um can can lead to or be caused by um a a overthrowing of of the social order right so that you know because because chuck's bringing in of jenny um, was a, a salvo in this war, but it, it, it immediately has um, short-term and long-term consequences that that start to re- uh, acquire a logic of their own, um, and and that you know that this starts uh, with in that episode with Jenny sending to Gossip Girl w- the reason why she was banished in the first place right. that, that that she she gave it up to Chuck um and then this uh this this continues in the following episode in which Dan then lashes out which uh, continues uh, sorry i i just have to remark that this continues the kind of disturbing deployment of uh, casual deployment of statutory rape as a plot device you know <laughs> and actually actually you know legitimate i mean full on you know non statutory sex without consent rape in you know in uh drug Jenny being dropped off at the bachelor party. Like this right. is, you know, th- this is very interesting. And I think we have to kind of uh, th- th- consider, I think it should give us pause. What the hell kind of world we're, we're, uh, we're living in. All right. Well, but this is the, uh, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I think we, we should flag that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, no, no, that, no, no. Push up, that, push on. That, I, that, that will get us back into our, uh, SVU saw. Sauce. Yeah. I yeah, know. Yeah. Stick it, stick a pin in it and move right on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, you were going on to say, uh, 
you know, uh, Jenny, Jenny sends the, the gossip girl information and Chuck. Right. And, and then, and then, you know, like rebanishes herself to Hudson. But then in the following episodes, um, this, this continues to play out with Dan, um, sort of violating, stealing the, the Chuck Blair peace treaty. Um, and then using that to, to actually try to hurt Chuck and Blair in order to get leverage to bring Jenny back. Right. Uh, which, which fails, uh, and puts him on the outside, back on the outside in a very, I mean, there's a wonderful scene at the end of that, uh, episode at the the chucks or the blair's uh, birthday party episode that has the four uh upper east side principals serena blair chuck uh nate uh looking at dan right, right. And, and, and that 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 space you know that cut shot is very clear of, of what that represents um oh, yeah, yeah the shot reverse shot of the you know the four of them kind of standing together yes. versus you know versus dan it reminds yes. me of um an early Kubrick movie called Paths of Glory, right? Uh-huh. Where mm-hmm. uh, you shoot, um, you shoot from, uh, you shoot from behind the. Uh, oh God, who is it? It's Kirk Douglas, I think. And you shoot mm-hmm. from behind the uh, falsely accused when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at Kirk Douglas, but you shoot from behind the judges when you're looking at you know opposing counsel or something like that. That is, who is set up against who is a you know is a um, is an important thing in visual storytelling. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you start to see that, uh, and then the, and then this plays out once more in the finale of the most recent episode, um, in which they're uh, against all odds. You know, Juliet, things are starting to unravel with Juliet, um, and she manages manages to judo the situation, forge an alliance with Vanessa, um, and then the there is a kind of shot reverse shot uh, involving Skype and Jenny Humphrey, right? And that the the last very last shot is Juliet saying. Um, you know, I need your help. I, I have I have something against all of these people, and I think you have an interest in this as well. Yeah, I think your interests um, are allied here. Yeah, exactly. And so that there is this these these emerging um, coalitions that are this is becoming very different uh, than the war between Chuck and, and Blair, right? The war between Chuck and Blair is the kind of war that can be settled by a treaty, right? And I've talked about this a few episodes back. It's very similar to the kinds of wars that happened within the dynastic families of early modern Europe. And that they were, they were violent. Um, you know, violence was used as a mean to settle disputes, but they were governed by a certain code. Um, and, and even though Chuck, you know, uh, assented to this code, uh, you know, and, and assented to a, a treaty in this, in this form, um, and, and has since, you know, torn up the treaty to, so, so as to break the clause of, of no physical contact, um, and again and again and again, um, the, the first act of bringing Jenny in was knowingly a, a, a act to start to destroy that very, that very order, right? That, that, um, that the kind of coalition that's being created between Vanessa, Jenny, um, and, and Juliet is, is very, very much has the potential to change the entire, uh, setup of 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 the society that these are people who want to overthrow the entire system or watch it all burn mm-hmm. um and and Dan is in the middle right Dan we don't know yet like you know he is still in the running for the uh the 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 Serena cup or the the Serena uh the the Serena trophy uh well, of, there's, of, a, you of see, a there's an example uh, yes there's an example 
I, I think it's worth taking a minute to unpack the, the Skype conversation in terms of film language. But, but sure. there's a uh, – with, with Nate and Dan, um, that, that's a case in which you're denied a reverse shot. That is to say we're missing the shot back mm. to one of the guys to tell us who the choice is. You know? right. And this is um, – the most famous example I can think of, the, uh, of doing this is, is the movie Mildred Pierce where a murder is depicted and you see the guy – from the point of view of the gun, you see the guy shot and die at the very beginning of the movie, and it's not until the end, until the re- when the reverse shot happens, and you see who who actually you actually pull the trigger. This is a, this kind of surprise dynamic with the reverse shot is used in horror a lot, and it's also used in the um, in the Jenny conversation. So the reverse shot uh, of it's actually Jenny that she's talking to because a lot of before we saw it, when we saw kind of the white MacBook border, you know, with the Skype window in it and Juliet right. um, uh, on the on the computer screen talking I was wondering is this gossip girl she's talking to is this, right, who is right. this uh, is it I mean and that's always I, like, thought, oh, I thought it was like poppy Li- yeah exactly but um you know it's it turns out to be Jenny right and that and the and that's a surprise no, someone no, oh, Ryan's going in and out, so I'm just going to make my point anyway. Um, no, 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 yeah, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm, I think I'm still here. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so, um, right. So now, when when we talk about shot reverse shot, we're, we're thinking of the camera as being kind of an independent uh, entity with agency to show people, and that's, I mean, that agency belongs to like a director or something like that who who chooses what to uh, what to show and how long to show it and in what context to show it and you know with what things around there. But once you introduce Skype, there are actually other cameras that are part mm. of the transaction, right? That are part mm. of the interpersonal transaction, mm. and so it becomes very complicated. Are you watching? Jenny's computer from Jenny's point of view? Are you watching Jenny on her computer from a point of view? Are you getting a shot that is, uh, as it were, coextensive with what the webcam sees? You know, and that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. shifting uh, up and down these, these levels of representation becomes very, uh, becomes very complicated. And it's something because... It's, it reminds me of rear window. Yeah, exactly. Rear window, uh, Coppola's the just conversation. Just inter- Oh, sorry, I was just, well, yeah, you're saying the conversation as well. Yeah, the I think conversation, that's, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a really good example. Well, and I think both the conversation and, and rear window are interesting in that, the, as you say, they're layered, right? Rear window, there is the window and the camera. Um, and, and then, the I guess, the window... This was of... Nope. And Ryan's Am cutting I? in and out again. The window is like a movie screen and the camera is like... Um... Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, so, wait, let's let's pause for a sec. I think uh, Skype is telling us. I think Skype is telling us that we've outstayed our welcome. Are, are we going to edit this, or are we just going to leave this in? No, we're, we're leaving gonna... this in. Oh, that's 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 really nice. Um, <laughs> th- that's that's really that's really that's really kind to our listeners. That's how much we um, care about them. Yeah, but yeah, the, I think I think that that's right, and I think um, I mean I think it's going to be I think that's a really good reading of that, um, and, and and that these things these kind of security camera footage that's incorporated into a film or webcam footage it's a trope of. Um, uh, it's kind of a trope of uncertainty. It's a trope of kind of multi-layeredness and has mm. a lot to do with uh, sort of machinations and plotting and secret alliances and things yeah. like this, which is why it's an appropriate film language, I think, for uh, Gossip Girl well, or I The Conversation that, or Rubicon or Nixon or, you know, any of these movies. And I think that's interesting. I think that that is signaling that 
that we are going in somewhere interesting, right? And and and. And I, I have hopes for this, right? So we've talked early, very early on in in this season. We, you know, after the first two episodes or so, we um, expressed a fair amount of dismay about how things were going and a, yep. a need for major changes in the world of Gossip Girl and, yep. and an inability to imagine what those were because we had worked out all of the ge- geometric, uh, uh, you know, all of all of the possible permutations um, socially and and. And and uh, romantically, uh, and and it seemed you know there was this character of Juliet, but we expected this to be a three and out kind of arc. Um, and even if Juliet may be may be written out in a few episodes or so, oh, she has to die like uh, like the character in the House of Mirth, the novel she was reading the first time that right. we saw her. Well, no, I think that there's going to be. I think right, they like when she leaves, there will be. It seems that there will be constitutive changes, right? And the, and I, so I think that this kind of um, the film language that we're seeing is setting up, you know, this. It, it's and again, it would be interesting to compare the use of, you know, the tech, the the frequency of the technical uses of this, uh, of this, or the uses of this technique throughout, um, the, you know, the tempo of of the show at large. But it shows that we are in a, a, a I think we're in a moment of a, a potential major constitutive change, you know, on the order of of Bart Bass dying, right? Um, sure. That that that. Um, that, that that's going to remake and what it is about, or what at least what it is about for um, some set of of, of characters. Um, and so I think that this is going to be intriguing going forward, um, and hopefully we'll um, I hope we'll have good things to talk about um, in 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 two weeks when we when we uh, revisit Gossip Girl, and um, we'll, we'll get an episode about about Glee out. And I want to I want to assign some required reading. Uh, okay. Ryan, Ryan turned me on to this journal called Contexts, uh, which is a sociology kind of a pop sociology journal, and uh, it's published out of I think Berkeley. And mm-hmm. uh, so your assignment is to beg, borrow, or steal your way into a university library and uh, get the most recent. Uh, uh, interview uh, the most recent issue of Context, which not only has this this article about girls kiss- kissing and the the kind of emergence of what we call non oriented sexuality between young women of of college and probably also high school age, but also. Um, also, an article called "Is Hooking Up Good for Girls," uh, hmm. which is required reading for when we talk about glee, talk about hooking up, and talk about uh, talk about gender dynamics. I also, since I know we have some glee listeners and so some fans of musical theater, I want to plug something, which is something that we've never done on uh, on this podcast before. But I want to do it. I'm actually appearing in a musical uh, at uh, at UCLA. So if you're in Los, it's Angeles, in Los Angeles. It's in <laughs> UCLA. Is in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are in Los Angeles and you feel like coming down to uh, coming down to Westwood uh, in any of the remaining two weeks in November, you can find details on my site, uh, which is MatthewRather.com, about when and where I'm going to be doing that. Um, it should be linked from the homepage. Anyway, that's that's it. <laughs> Is 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 Jesse St. James in the production as well? Yeah, um, actually, he came, you know, uh he graduated from Glee la- last year and he showed up as a freshman and he's great uh as I as bet, the uh, I bet, star. I bet, I'm sure he brings a lot of pop to the production. He does, uh, absolutely. He makes it pop. Excellent. Well, so if you have if you if you if you go and see Matt's show, uh let us know. Give us a review. Uh, text- <laughs> 
text message or call in a review of, of Matt's show uh, to 20 fat jog one that's 203-285-6401. Um, otherwise, join the conversation uh, about about Gossip Girl, about uh, about universities and the organization of, of labor in the university, um, about um, – um, and and about uh, about about social order and power, uh, and you know you can also email us at tftpodcast at overthinkingit.com, uh, at reply us on the twitters at tftpodcast, um, and join the conversation on the show notes at overthinkingit.com. Uh, and as always, we'll be here uh, analyzing the networks of power, analyzing the the casualization of academic labor, labor, <laughs> but most of all, for you, analyzing the lives. Of these, these fucking, fucking teenagers. teenagers.